What you imagine shapes you. What you imagine to be true changes you. I told you a story last week of somebody that I was meeting with and they were imagining something that someone they loved was doing something horrible. And it changed them before my very eyes. It, it was like hell's grip was upon them. And it turns out that what they were imagining wasn't even true at all. So what you imagine will change you or shape you continually. What I want you to imagine right now, because if you imagine something that is true and you cling hold of it with faith and hope, you will experience a complete metamorphosis right now, a complete transformation right now in this moment. So if you were promised a billion dollars at the end of this year, it would change the way that you live today. If you were promised that you were going to die at the end of this year, if you imagined a hellish future for yourself, you would begin to experience hell right now. It would change your thoughts, it would change your emotions, and hell's grip would be upon you. If you imagined a future of non-existence in the future, then non-existence would, be able to, would begin to have its grip on you. But if you imagined a future where all things are made completely new and right, that's what we're talking about today. We're in our series called The Gospel, and what we've been saying is that the gospel is not like a diamond. It's like a whole diamond mine. And each diamond in this mind, mine is like a shard of Christ. It's a piece of this grand truth. In each and every single one of you, you have wounds in your life. You have hurt, you have pain. And that, those hurt and that pain has shaped you in such a way you long to hear one of these truths at least. One of these diamonds is going to enchant you and make you want to worship God. So we're taking 20 weeks at least through this series, and at least one of the weeks has got to be the week that enchants you, the core part of this grand Christian truth that's going to make you say, this is why I'm a Christian. This is why I do this crazy thing and worship God. This is why I sing songs to God, because of this because of this truth. And today, we're looking at this diamond of the return of Christ, the return of the king of Eden, the return of the king who was nailed upon the cross, and we're going to look at what he brings with him when he returns. And today, I'm going to ask you to reimagine some things because you likely have some thoughts of heaven that are distorted to what the actual truth is. So it's going to be fun. We're going to dig into this. Here are our verses. We're going to jump to, we're going to go to Revelation 21, 1 through 5, then Revelation 22, and then we're going to read the last two verses of the entire Bible. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. 
He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away, and he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Revelation 22, 1 through 5. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and from the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. And his servants will worship him. And they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Last two verses of the entire Bible. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. To the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all Amen. All right, we have five points today. First point is the lost garden of Tov. Our verses say that all things are cursed, but the curse will be lifted and all things will be made new. So if there's a curse and all things are being made new, then that implies that there is something that went wrong. And there is something that went wrong. It went dreaded wrong. Long ago, there was a sickness that was caught. All things that were good caught a sickness. And a virus spread into truth so that truth became distorted. And it was like a curse was laid over the earth like a frozen blanket. And we lost the warmth of what was good. So what happened? We abandoned who we were. And we became sick of heart and of mind and of body. And we abandoned our home, and so now we are left homesick. Uh Uh-oh is right. (laughs) And now, everything we do today is a longing to get back home and a longing to find our true selves, our true identity that's been lost for way too long. When God created everything, it says he created it good. The Hebrew word for good is tov. And this word means that something is absolutely flowing with life, abundant life, so much life that it's absolutely spilling over. So a mistake that people commonly make is they will say that Eden was perfect. But it was not perfect. Perfect implies something has been brought to its end, its goal, its telos, its mission has been fulfilled. But there, in Genesis 1, is the beginning. God created everything tov, good, which means it had the potential to reach perfection, to reach the goal, to reach the mission. What was the mission that God gave us? Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion which means we are to reign 
on the earth as kings and queens. We read in these verses that it said we will reign as kings and queens. Only when we reigned in Eden as kings and queens, we were underneath the greater king of Eden. But guess what? It wasn't enough. The irony is that God called us kings and queens to reign, and we wanted more. We wanted his very throne and his crown. And as soon as we tried to take his throne and his crown and committed cosmic treason, we lost our own crowns that he gave us as a gift. It was gone. Why would humanity do such a thing? The same reason you do it today. Because you don't want God telling you what to do. The very definition right there is evil. Not wanting to do what God wants you to do. God is the ultimate tov, the ultimate good, the ultimate of life. And when we live in a way that's contrary to him, we are ignoring and letting go of what is good and embracing death and evil. It's a tragedy. And this core way of thinking that we have where we don't want to do what God is telling us to do is what brought ruin into our world. And so we want to get away from God and God gives us over to what we want. He opens up the gates of Eden and lets us out and closes them as we leave. Though he one day will open them again, but not yet. Today, we're left banging on the gates of Eden, longing to come in. Today we're looking at what happens when those gates get opened up. Second point, the new city of Tov. Here's what you have to do. You have to reimagine right now. And you have to kill your, the cynicism that's in you and the negativity that you feel about our world and the world that is to come, and you've got to open up your mind and open up your imagination and allow yourself to hope a bit. And then let that hope stir up into something more like faith. So, you have to get ready for this. So, we're going to reimagine some things. Reimagine heaven. You've got some misconceptions about it. Here we go. The Bible starts in a garden, but it ends in a city. And it specifically ends in a city that has come down from heaven, the city of God, come down and then woven into the earth. And what what happens is a whole new heaven and a whole new earth are created. It has been from the beginning that the goal of humanity is to see heaven and earth woven together, to take Eden and make it cover all the earth. But then this great divide happened. And so God is promising upon the return of Christ that heaven and earth are then woven together again as one. The city of God coming down. Not not heaven is spiritual and earth is material but the spiritual and material being woven together as one. Do you know what that means? You will not be some disembodied spirit floating around in the heavens, but you will have physical bodies because the spiritual heaven and the material earth are woven together as one. And so both become true all at once. And here's how it happens. We die. We go to heaven up with God. 
Even in heaven, though, we wait for something more. For heaven to come back down to the earth, and there, when that happens, you're reunited in a way to your true, long, eternal body, eternal body forever, and heaven and earth are woven together, and there you see a new earth upon this earth. Many things that are here on the earth right now, we will see and do in the new earth. But there's a difference. The curse will be lifted. We will finally see the earth as the way we've always been meant to see it. Right now we see a shadow of the real thing, but there will come a day when we see the real thing. And we'll eat meals with our friends, and we'll raise our glasses, and we'll cheers and celebrate all that God has done and all that he's created and all that he has made new. And we'll climb the highest mountains. We will swim under waterfalls. We will run through green pastures. The blind will see. The lame will walk. The deaf will hear beautiful songs. We'll be writing new songs. We'll be painting new paintings. We'll be cooking new kinds of meals. See, it's physical You have this wrong misunderstanding of heaven just floating around, singing songs to God. Like, we are, it's material. It's life. It's real. It's things that are tangible. Perhaps there's going to be a NASA team that explores the far reaches of the universe. If today, in this heavens that we see above us, our universe is constantly expanding... Well, imagine what it will be in the new heavens. Imagine the things we'll get to explore. If we're doing that now, come on, dream a little bit. Be curious a little bit about what is to come. Imagine your future that's coming. The Bible speaks of living creatures that will be singing out. The same Hebrew word, same Greek word for creatures is animals. These are creatures that are singing out that we've never seen before of the glory and majesty of God. Sounds strange, but maybe just like dream a little bit. Maybe like, I don't know, imagine something that's beyond this. The deep sea creatures will be made new. These mythical land creatures that are no longer here will be made new. And you know what? We will rule over them as kings and queens. It says in our verses that we will reign underneath the greater king. But the earth is ours to take care of and everything in it. It's a beautiful gift that God's going to be giving us. And you're going to know your exact purpose. The exact thing that you're wired and made to do, you're going to be doing and you're going to love every bit of it. And your job, you're going to have a job. And it's going to be the job that you want. And it's never going to feel like toilsome work, but it's going to feel like the very thing that you want to do in that moment all of the time when you're doing it. And there's probably going to be a lot of fun stuff to do. There's probably going to be sports. There's probably going to be games. We're going to invent new things. And by the way, all this stuff that I'm saying, there's biblical references for all this. So I don't have time to to quote all of them, but there's a book called Heaven by Randy Alcorn. And if you want to get it, he cites all the Bible verses for everything that I'm saying. It's It's a huge work on what heaven will be like, and it's great. You should get it. It would be great for you. Jokes are going to be way better. There's no more dad jokes. Smiles will be real. Laughter will be louder. 
Trees will sing, we're told. How's that going to happen? I don't know. Maybe the wind will brush up against the leaves of the tree in such a way and cause this like sound to come out, except the leaves will be perfectly lined up so that melodies are played. I mean, if I'm thinking this up right now, imagine what there is to come. I, I once was at a church where the pastor gave a sermon and said uh, that there will be no pets or animals in heaven. And this little girl, the night before, her cat died. And so she's in tears about this. But the Bible says that all things are made new. And the Hebrew word for when God gives life to animals is the same word that he gives life to us. Now, we're made in his image, so we're clearly different. But I got to believe if all things are made new, then little Fluffy is going to be able to be somehow, some way, something in the new heavens and the new earth. I don't know what it's going to be. And we will curiously explore all of God's creation. All of it will be ours, like an adventure to go and live. We'll look for new truths, new ideas, new stories, new adventures to be lived. So that's just a glimmer of the place. What about the people of this land that is so good, this good place, this good land, this land that is eternal, the new heavens and the new earth? This is our third point, the new people of Tov. Adam and Eve had the ability not to sin, but they did. Then we had only the ability to sin. That's all we could do. Then Christ comes along and gives us a new heart. And then this war begins to rage within us over whether to sin or not to sin. But there will come a day when we will no longer sin again. Where the very thing that you want to do is going to be the very thing that God wants you to be doing in that moment all of the time. St. Augustine says, love God and do as you please. And what he means by that is if in a moment, in this very moment, you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you're 100% loving him, raptured up in him, enchanted by him, then in that moment, you can do whatever you want and it would be the right thing to do because you're perfectly in line with loving God. And there will come a day when we will always be doing that very thing. You will finally be human the way that you're meant to be. Imagine, no more sinning. No more doing the thing that you want to stop doing, but you keep doing it and you can't seem to stop yourself. You're free. We will finally be what we've been meant to be. You know, the word for Adam is humanity and the word for Eve is life. Finally, those words will line up with our actions completely. And you will know joy and peace and contentment and you will be living in a world with complete love. Your friends, your family will only speak words of love to you. No more words that cut and stab and tear at you. There will no longer be hurt, death, or pain, and every tear will be wiped from your eyes. Even the bad things that have happened to you here on the earth, somehow God will make them good. He will renew all things. It will be as if heaven's not only working forwards, but it's working backwards, coming and bringing beauty up out of the ashes of the things that have happened to you here in this life. And you will experience perfect pleasure. The perfect 
Perfect pleasure. You know the thing that husbands and wives do? In the bedroom, you know what I'm talking about? Nod, because I don't want to say it, please. Thank you. <laughs> that forever, but greater. Do you see this? Pleasures forevermore, long-lasting, eternal, going on, on, and on. We are only scratching the surface here of what we are going to be walking into. Every bit of your dreams, every bit of what you want, and more, and more, and more, and even the things that you haven't dreamt up are true for you. And all of this is because of the ancient king of Tove has returned. The king of the good place, of the good land. The ancient king is who makes all things new. The return of the king. See, you can't have this place of Tove, this place of perfect beauty without the king. He is Tove. So to seek Tove, to seek the good life without him is to lose the good life. But to seek him is to stumble upon the good life. You can't have the kingdom without the king. Wherever the king is, there is his kingdom. And when he finally returns, all of creation will be in awe of him. You won't be able to help it. You will drop to your knees in wonder and in awe and of excitement. And then you will look upon him and it will cause you to even worship him more because you're going to see something about him. You're going to see something. You're going to see his hands and his side and you're going to see that he is scarred for all of eternity. When Doubting Thomas says, I will not believe that Jesus rose from the dead unless I see him and I touch his hands and his side. And so Jesus appears to Doubting Thomas and shows him his hands and his side. Now, I want you to realize something. The resurrected Jesus in his new body has scars that he is showing Doubting Thomas. That means we, for all of eternity, are going to look upon our Savior and remember the cross and remember what he did for us and remember how much he loves us. And if you're thinking right now, that doesn't seem so perfect if he is scarred. Well, unless the scars are actually proof of his perfection, of his perfect love for you. No greater love is there than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends and he says, you are my friends. The scars are proof of his perfect love for you. The Christian is the Christian because they have been won over by the scars of Christ. Every, the scars of the cross change us into people who are once treasonous rebels to fully devoted followers of the king. To scars for you. And we long for his return. In Romans, we're told that all of creation is groaning, eagerly waiting for his return. And what we need to do is we got to get a little bit better about groaning for his return and letting that groaning be unleashed within us so that we will imagine what is to come. And where our hearts and our minds will fix, our, fix themselves upon what is to come, the heaven above that's one day coming down. 
Fix your groanings, fix your longings, fix your imagination upon the king. The king who went to the cross to be cursed so that your curse could be lifted. The king who rotted there on the tree of death so that you could feast on the tree of life. The king who went down into death and rose from death so he could start building a new Eden here on the earth now. Through you, his people, right now, as you cling to him, the tree of life, who was crucified on the tree of death, it brings life into you, tove life, and that means you now can be part of bringing Eden back. And you long for him to return, and when he does, he will finish what we have started. So while the Bible starts in a garden and ends at a city, There at the end, that is not the end, but really the beginning. The beginning where each day is better than the day before. C.S. Lewis in the Chronicles of Narnia, at the very last book called The Last Battle, he writes about what it's going to seem like. He's giving us a picture, a little glimmer of what heaven may be like for us. And so the lion represents Jesus. Let me just read it to you. And as he spoke... He no longer looked to them like a lion. But the things that began to happen after that were so great and so beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all stories. And we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all the adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now, at least, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Get ready for that future and set your imagination upon it. Because then, what you will find is that those who are most heavenly-minded are the ones who bring the most earthly good, the most earthly tove. So please, fix your imagination upon what is to come in the king who will be bringing it. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would teach us to be people who imagine what is to come that we would be creative in our thinking about what is to come, that we would take the truth of Scripture and be bound to it and then take that truth and be creative about what the future looks like for us. Father, root us in this truth so that we might blossom like a tree as we imagine what is to come. God, help us to not be so dull and boring. And help us be in wonder of you. And help us see every single thing that we do here on earth. Help us to see that it can somehow offer a glimmer of what life is to come. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.